Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJMike, and I'm joined as always by the master of receipts. It's NYJMatt. Mike, how are we feeling? Dude, we're feeling good. I'm on vacation tomorrow. Vacation tomorrow? Yeah. Also on vacation tomorrow, Greg Williams. He was relieved of his defensive coordinator duties today. Adam Gates making the final decision as he can as the head coach and having his staff. Uh, he made the call. It looked like he, in you know conjunction with Joe Douglas, CEO, President, Chris Johnson, everyone uh, felt this morning that it was best to move off Greg Williams after a incredible final play that cost the Jets a victory, leading to a 31-28 loss. Mike, take me through that that final play, and we can get into Greg Williams a little bit later, but unreal, unfucking real Unreal. <laughs> well, the, fun, the funny thing is, or the, cr- the craziest part, is that it happened twice. The play before, mm-hmm. Derek Carr missed Nelson Aguilar wide open, and then it happened again. So once Carr missed the throw, he missed a couple throws uh, late in the game, and then he did it again. He missed Aguilar with like 13 seconds left. And you're like, whoa. The Raiders were 6-4 and four last year, lost to the Jets 34-3. They were 6-4 and four this year, got blown out by the Falcons last week, and were about to lose to the 0-11 Jets. And then Greg Williams, you know, sends two all-out blitzes in Hail Mary time. Hey, we, we remember he did it. You know, against Pittsburgh in Week 16 last year, late in the game, not in that exact situation, but he brought the house in that game. And May made a nice play, yeah. As you mentioned with Carr, he had, I called them bitch throws of him, like, lollygagging it off his back foot, wasn't firing, and even though he threw for 380 yards, it seemed like that fourth quarter, he didn't have any juice going, and it, for a long time, looked like the Jets were going to pull it out. It's one of those plays that it... Doesn't matter yet, right? The Jets can still win one out of four. A lot of people think it's a hard, you know, that's a hard chance to win a game there. Jets have a 75% of the first pick. If they get the first pick, this will go down as one of the craziest moments in Jets history. And it's just, I couldn't believe it. I didn't think it would happen. I had in my mind that the Jets it won, was over. Yeah. They won that game. You know, they, they played well enough on all three phases of the game to, to get the victory against a team with a winning record flying west to east and it was over and then out of nowhere you send eight guys have Lamar Jackson undrafted rookie free agent on a 42840 guy got you know jumped out on a stutter and go and that was it it was truly i i here's my thing people even they they keep saying today Greg Williams did it on purpose no it doesn't make uh, sense it so that is what is so incredible is imagine if the Jets were like two and ten right now. Or right they're one in ten going into that game. If we weren't in this the stage for Trevor Lawrence, it's crazy that they try to win games. Every player, every coach, every single person in that facility is trying to win a game once the clock starts and they blew it, which is still mind boggling to me that, that that team was trying to win and they just ended a game like that. They just what, blew it. If, the, if this game actually mattered, it would be one of the worst losses in Jets history. Now that it technically does matter for Trevor Lawrence, it will go down as one of the best losses in Jets history if they do get that first pick. Well, it's, yeah, it's crazy to really think about because a lot of people are kind of convinced that 
this was done on purpose, but what what motivation would Greg Williams have to do that? But like Boomer, He's not Boomer the offensive Hoffman, coach. Boomer is one of like a very respected guy. He goes, I think he did it on purpose, and but it doesn't make sense. I, I and then people are pointing out it's hilarious. N- uh, Nanny is like putting video of what Adam Gase is doing like before the play and Greg Williams, but I think he thought you know, hey, he sent the first blitz that didn't get there, and they missed Aguilar. He's like, let what are the odds that we don't get there twice? Like I'm just gonna sack him and end the game. And then it didn't work. Obviously, it's one, it's a horrific call. And like you said, if the Jets were in any kind of contention, oh, my God, people would be at his house. Unreal. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't a game that you wanted to win, right? If I think if Darnold went out there, threw for 350 yards, four touchdowns, a lot of people would be upset about the loss, but they'd be thinking to themselves, well, now Darnold has four games to play them out of the second pick of the draft. And it would – you want to – if you were to win a game – that would be the way to do it. Yes. I think a lot of people and us including were hoping that Jets lost and, and we can get the season over with and give Sam a fresh start elsewhere. But nobody wants to win a game when Ty Johnson and Josh Adams, who had great games, run the ball. Sam has three turnovers. Beckton got beat on two sacks. Mims targeted three times. Oh, I couldn't. If they won that game, it would be a really horrible week for Jets fans going into Seattle, which. A Seattle Rams back-to-back, the Jets aren't winning these games. So it would have been, oh, now we're 1-13. Need to hope for the Jaguars to pull out a win. So you got to look at yesterday as a very eventful, very fun game. You don't get a lot of those in December for the Jets. So for me... This is going to be one of the most remembered games ever. Yeah. Because the Raiders was so important. Where were you when it happened? Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. But... Another, you know, we have to look at the pros. Beckton running behind him. I think the Jets averaged 6.4 yards a carry. It might have been a little more. Every time they ran left, they did stretch plays. It kept working. And we, we've been critical of second and 10 runs all year. The Jets ran the ball somewhat effectively in those downs. To my point, I don't think John Gruden could have believed that they kept doing it. And then <laughs> Dow Loggins, Adam Gates kept doing it. So run blocking, Beckton was a stud, 81 PFF run blocking grade. And then Quinton Williams, again, just all over the field. I can't say enough about this guy. He heard all the criticism. He got in shape this offseason and then came back as a monster. Him and JFM are legit pass rushers on the interior defensive line and Foley is a killer in the run game. If you are looking at the defensive side of the ball, you have to be happy with the D-line right now moving into 2021. Yeah, and the Jets, they're finally getting some results, especially in the run game. The Jets are all the way up to ninth in the league in rush yards allowed per game. Uh, Of course, the Jets were second in the league in that category last year. And, you know, the beginning of this year, there were some gash runs and some problems stopping quarterbacks from running. But looks like they got to figure it out. Um, Like you said, those three young guys are going to be there. You have some other supplemental pieces like Kyle Phillips hanging around and who knows what to do with Nathan Shepard just to have some good depth. So, you know, in, a, in an offseason that's going to bring a lot of change, I think the defensive line should probably stay intact going forwards. Yeah, what do you think of Bryce Hall? Because I think of another ticky-tack penalty, I, I love him getting out there, getting his reps. Anytime you get a young guy playing meaningful reps in a down year where it's not really going to matter, you can see what he can do. He's been playing against great receivers. And even though I think looking back on the game, I thought he didn't have his best. Outside of Waller, I mean, Ruggs was three for 84. 
if, if you don't count that bomb, he's two for, what, 25? And then Ren, uh, Hunter Renfro, four for 47. Aguilar, four for 38. So it wasn't a killer game by the receivers by any means, really the tight end play. Um, and that final play of the game really inflated those stats. I think Hall played okay. Uh, I, I know there's going to be more breakdowns of it, but wanted to see what you thought on that secondary. I think Hall played really well. And like you said, we're excited to read uh, what Nanny has to say and the breakdown from X Factor. Um, Bryce Hall is all over the place. He's He tackles well. He plays extremely hard. He seems to always be there, you know, mm-hmm. and the passes defense will come, the interceptions will come, but he's right there with everyone. All signs point to him being a great guy. He's a team captain in college, like almost everyone the Jets drafted. Um, you know, if the Jets can get a starting corner out of Bryce Hall in the fifth round is so important. It is incredibly important. Incredible. And uh, I love the start for him. In years past, that those picks, you're hoping that they can become a, an okay blocker one day or they can really contribute on special teams. This guy could be a legit number two, number one corner, and that could be a big deal. To your point, if, yeah. he, if he becomes anything of a number two corner in the fifth round, that is a steal. Big takeaway for me is Darnold having 23 passing attempts. The Jets have been down in theoretically every single possession all year. Minus, you could probably say five or six possessions they may maybe had the lead. The Jets in every game have thrown less than their competitors, except for three. So when you're down, right, out of 12 games, nine of them you're down the entire time, and the other team is still throwing the ball more than you, obviously they have the ball longer. But, geez, we have to, looking back on their earlier year, you have to know what you have with Sam Darnold. They just refused to throw the ball with him. And they were running the ball effectively, and it was working to a lead. Right, but this is the first time, this is the first game they really established any kind of run. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know. That's what's so frustrating, and there's no sense of urgency. They don't unleash. There's no uh, – they don't make adjustments. So other teams, like the, the Chargers came in, they realized, hey, look, and team, a lot of teams have done this in the first half against the Jets. They say, hey, look, the Jets have a good run defense. Let's throw the ball 40, 50 times. And they do. They throw quick passes. They get the ball out. It's essentially like a running game. Justin Herbert threw the ball 40 times. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw the ball 40 times. Derek Carr, 40 times. It's everybody. Even the Patriots, who threw the ball like 12 times yesterday and scored 45 points, threw the ball 40 times against us with Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the Jets just do what they're going to do no matter what. Doesn't matter the situation. Doesn't matter the time on the clock, which is one of the, you know, frustrating things about Adam Gase, one of the many. Um, man, just unleash it with Sam. But you know, yesterday, you know, they ran for two hundred plus yards. So. Yeah, it was um, end of the day. I think we're okay with the outcome of the game, and then moving oh, on. By to the great- way, Pat Elfline, real quick, looked really good in run run blocking yesterday. I saw those videos on Twitter. He's throwing people on the floor. Mm-hmm. He's being a psycho. But he did have a 15.2 passing. Pass I thought it was lower. Grade. I thought it was lower. That's I think hilarious. it was 15.2, which is not great. But, dude, if the Jets find, you know, finding guys like Elfline on waivers or Bryce Hall in the fifth round that could potentially be starters or contributors, it's like, you, you know, it's like you go to the bar and then, like, you know, you, you think the night's over. You're like, hey, let's go to this one other spot. You find a nice girl, you know, or a guy. Hey, look, I think it's okay. I think it'd be a good depth piece, but I want to see Cam Clark get out there. The mystery of him. What's up with him? Because they keep bringing stupid Josh Andrews. I get very frustrated with the beat 
Um, I think there's obvious questions. For example, I know they didn't press too hard in the Alex Lewis situation, but another one, like the two-minute drill with Gase last week, right? When he, at the end of the half, just unreal clock management, was never asked once about it. Cam Clark, why aren't we asking, hey, is there an update on Cam Clark? Is he healthy? Why hasn't he been active? Adam Gase can't say, oh, I don't know. He's going to give you a reason behind it. And I think 90% of the fans want to know why you drafted a tackle moving him to guard and you have two backup guards playing and he's not in there. It's a very weird, weird feeling. I have a hot take. Maybe he's too good in practice that Joe Douglas is afraid that him and Beck are going to dominate the left side. Who knows? But, oh boy. Um, another horrific loss. I know it's a technically a win, but... Oh, Jets one more thing. Oh, yeah, wait, wait, wait. One more thing. Give me Ashton it. Davis, we have to point out, was not good yesterday. Not good. That's important because, you know. He's out, Mike, for a, a significant time, they think. His yeah, foot. he hurt his foot. He might be on the IR. That's um, the season ending. If, if that's the last we saw of Ashton Davis, interesting rookie year. I think he showed flashes. He showed burst. He had a couple of good games. He had the really good game against the Patriots where he had a 75 PFF grade. Uh, I mean, you know, he got – Toasted a little bit by Darren Waller yesterday, but you can't hit on every draft pick. And if you give me an honest answer of Joe Douglas's 2020 draft class, I'm still thrilled because you get two huge positions out of the way. But it's 50. percent You well, look Davis at still be good. It, yeah, exactly. Course. But in this year, 50. percent It's Becton, Mims, Man, Hall. You love. You want to see a little better play out of Zuniga when he's out there. Clark hasn't been on the field. James Morgan and then Ashton Davis. Yeah. Right. It's four and four. And the other four, we, they've been a 12, oh and 12 team through 12 games. You can't put all your stock in that, but I'm looking forward to hopefully Zuniga getting out there and playing meaningful snaps with Bryce Huff and having them just ball out for a couple games, right? You don't have to win the game game on a strip sack, but it would be nice to see a few hurries and, and get after the quarterback. For sure. Yeah. Zuniga has been invisible. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't do anything. I have to just point him out. I like to just say his name. I say, look, it's Zuniga. It's cool. <laughs> but that's it. And he looks like Sean Ellis because he's wearing 92. Yeah. So moving on past the game, it's been an eventful few weeks on Twitter for Mike and I. Uh, we've seen our following continue to grow. If you're listening to the podcast, if you follow us on Twitter, if you interact with us, it is much appreciated because we did not think eight months ago when we really started our accounts, we get this to this point, which is pretty cool, but uh, it leads to some things like Manisha made a blocking you, um, <laughs> which is, I don't know why he blocked me. I commented on one of his tweets and just said, you know, do you have a source question mark on a, on a report? I think I got double the amount of likes that he did on the actual post. And then I woke up and he blocked me. So I kind of, I kind of get upset because I love watching people ratio Manish on his replies and I'm going to lose that. I can go to a burner account and look at it for sure. But damn, dude, Manish blocked me. Well, the good news for you is that he hasn't been tweeting. And then you, your tweet was great with the the kid in class who was like, veins are popping out of his <laughs> face. So Manish made it not being able to tweet. But I, I think if you take out him trying to find out the kind of ice cream that Joe Douglas's kid was eating, I would. I actually have more respect for him than Brian Costello. And I know that's hard to do, but I think... <laughs> I think Brian Costello, he's probably a nice dude. I think he's a horrible, horrible beat writer. And uh, 
Well, the I, problem with Brian Cause is he either is a defending at, like or just not saying anything bad about Adam Gase, or b just making ridiculous, weird articles. Like even even this morning, he was almost right, but he was like calling for Greg Williams to resign, uh, and then he just puts out weird pieces about you know with Adam G- what what Adam Gase has that's similar to Bill Belichick. Like, why are you writing that? Even if it's not, he's not saying Adam Gase is Bill Belichick, but. What are you making people angry for for no reason? They're just going to get mad if they see that. It's like kicking a beehive. He's a crazy person. He really is. And I think, I think Connor Hughes has a little bit of it too, that they like Adam Gase as a dude. He like can BS with the reporters. We've heard from Connor that Gase is not a bad guy to talk to. Problem is, you guys have Samini and Manish Mehta come in here, bang on some doors, call out Gase for his shit. And then you have guys like Hughes and Kaz that defend him a little too much. And I think now they're both a little too late trying to say, oh, yeah, Gay's going to be fired and, and not be back next year. But they don't ask him any hard questions. It's obvious ones that they need to start going after him for. Talk about the two-minute drill. Talk about the play calling. A lot of it is stating an obvious fact and then letting him answer like the horrific fact that you just exploited. They don't go deeper into it. And the only one that does is Rich Samini, and I Rich give him a ton of credit. Well, the, the thing is, too, with – so Kaz, I think it just sucks. But Connor Hughes is pretty good. But the problem with him right now is I think he's more concerned with with popularity and, and getting a tweet that bangs. Like, that's what we that's are concerned about. That's my job. About. That's, that's your what job. we are concerned about, not the beat writer. So – Whereas Connor is, you know, every so often Connor's a friend of the program, but he'll tweet out like some little bit of like a, a poke at Sam Darnold, you know, which you know, thinking that a lot of twelve-year-olds are going to be like, if you're a Jet fan, you're like a good example is Drew from New Jersey. He he's like, look, we got to move off Sam, but like it sucks, like what he's going through. It's not like ha ha ha, let's make fun of Sam the entire day. And I think Connor thinks that gets likes. Another thing that pisses me off is like this whole pro tank, anti tank thing. Like Lamar Jackson, pro tank. Like, dude, you're a beat writer. The undrafted rookie just got beat and he stood in front of that podium. Much respect to him. Yeah, and I he think was they good. acknowledged I it. To the interview after, yeah. But dude, like, are we <laughs> pro tank? Ha ha, this tweet's gonna fucking pop. Nope, that's our job. You're the beat writer. If we became a beat writer, which I don't think we could ever do it because of our history of memes and what we post. I, I don't, I don't understand that. It's a weird, I don't know. He is younger though. He, maybe he's just a new type of beat writer that we're not used to. We don't expect him to be just like Samini, but if you're going to do that, if you're going to poke at Sam, if you're going to poke at Lamar Jackson, if you're going to do these things, then when you're having a press conference with Adam Gates, push the guy. Oh yeah. That's it. It's got to be both ways, just like the the real media. Yep, and then um, it was a weird day. I think it was Tuesday. I, I tweeted out a meme of uh, Bradley Cooper and The Hangover saying that, uh, you know, calling Sam Darnold's parents and t- after the 2020 season saying, hey, listen, we fucked up. And <laughs> that, that tweet banged su- surprisingly. I had no idea that it was going to go to that level. But – it was a good week on Twitter for the boys. We're, we're loving the content. A few people have messaged me about getting the website back up and running and putting some more blogs out, which it's tough to do podcasts. It's tough to do Twitter. It's tough to do like our actual jobs and then continue to write blogs daily, but something to keep an eye out for. Maybe we have to get people listening to write reader blogs every week and get those fired up on the site. Who knows? Look, if the, if the people want it, you know. Who are we but their humble servants? 
Yeah. All right. Do you want to go into a little bit of a mailbag? Please. All right. Let me pull up a few questions we got here. Um, who wins more games with this roster? Cotite with Sam Darnold or Gase with Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> well, Gase is such a scum, man. Well, the, the funny thing about Cotite, we were talking about it yesterday uh, while we were watching the game. Cotite had went to the playoffs or he won 10 games with the Eagles in 91 and then won 11 games and went to the playoffs in 92. But Gase also went to the playoffs with the Dolphins in 2016. Um, I just, whatever, fuck Adam Gase. I'll pick anything else. I'll take Cotite and, and take my chances. I'll take Cotite because I haven't seen him coach in modern day. I think that the smart pick would probably be rolling your dice and seeing if Trevor is just too good to have Adam Gase hold him back. But Good question. Here's my favorite question, and I think we probably should have led with this after the Greg Williams firing. The Jets and, and Bill Cowher is a rumor that's been going around, started by Boomer, about a potential landing spot for 2021. Boomer, the way he phrased it of saying more things need to happen, meaning the Jets need to go 0-4 and, and get the first pick, and Bill Cowher was showing him coaching highlights of him on the sideline, very intriguing pick. Mike, I have some thoughts, but I'll let you go first here. So what's the question? Would we take Bill Cowher? Yeah, just like what are your expectations? Do you think that's a possibility? And if it was, what would what would you do with it? I would I would love to have Bill Cowher. I think I am more a fan of established, proven commodities as coaches. I understand there's a lot of these hot young college guys. Um, Matt Campbell guys. and and, you know, some others that, that go around on Twitter, Joe Brady. Well, he's the coordinator of the Panthers now, but really a college guy. Um, I would love Bill Cowher. Why not? The guy in the NFL as a coach is 149-90-1. and one. He won the Super Bowl in 2005. He went to the Super Bowl in 1995 with Neil O'Donnell. He won 13 games with Cordell Stewart. Um, and, you know, these things matter. So I understand – he hasn't coached in the league in, in 14 years, but you saw John Gruden come back and he's a competent coach and Derek Carr's playing well under him. Uh, Cower had a lot of success with Ben Roethlisberger when he was young. Big Ben went 13 and 0 as a rookie, so he could do it with a rookie quarterback. Oh yeah. I like it. The, the one negative I have, and we were talking about this before was Bill Cower only has been in the top 10 in passing offense uh, as a head coach four times in his career. And he's only been in the top half of the league so 16th or better six times in his uh 15 seasons as a head coach so you know he's not the greatest offensive mind he always had good defenses and whatnot in pittsburgh but those teams developed guys they won games they had a good defense they could win with a young quarterback if you ask me if i have a hall of fame head coach sitting at my doorstep it's hard to say no yeah and if you get a one of these college guys that come out and they aren't a hit and the most recent ones have been performing pretty well, but if you get hypothetically, you know, Matt Campbell and he's a college coach comes in with Trevor Lawrence and doesn't build him the right way, you set Trevor Lawrence and your franchise back far. I think the worst that you can have with Bill Cowher is the Jets are an average team and then you move on. But having a guy like that in the building, an alpha with him and Joe Douglas and that money and those draft picks and this young talent, I think is a no brainer. And I know a lot of people are saying he's old, and I hear you. Gruden has gotten the Raiders to a good spot right now. So I don't 
I'm not out on the age yet. It definitely is the type of thing you need to build in coaching staff of younger talent too. Um, but geez, I, I am a huge fan of that move. And I think it'll be a rumor for a while. But remember, Adam Gates was signed as a head coach on January 10th. So once the coach is fired, the time frame is almost a week, week and a half if you're not getting a coach that's currently in the playoffs because they want to get the guy in the building with his team and get that coaching staff together. Because I think March is when you can start having practice if you're the like the the garbage walkthroughs that you can have if you have a new staff. There's all these rules that you can have with a new staff. I'm looking forward to it, and I think Bill Cowher would be a great pick. Yeah, plus Cowher, more of a defensive guy. We'll see. You know, it depends who will be the offensive coordinator, of course, is so important then. Um, but, man, it shows you how attractive the Jets' job would be if they do lock down that first pick. All right, next question. Of all the wide receivers you've seen play, which one that has under 500 receiving yards as a Jet would you want to have a 1,000-yard season out of nowhere? Mims, Mims is not included. So I don't know if he's saying like in our lifetime or on the current team. Because the current team, I have a unique answer, but it's definitely, in my opinion, the most attractive one. Who? Go. Lawrence Cager. Because if you oh. tell me, you, you assume Crowder can get to 1,000 already. You think you can't pick Mims in this. I don't care about Jeff Smith or Vincent Smith and Perryman getting older. If you tell me a huge maniac Lawrence Cager at 1,000 yards this year, that opens up all your free agency money and your draft pick, the late first. You don't have to go receiver then because you have Cager who has 1,000 yards. Bold pick, but I don't know. I'd rather him over Jeff Smith if it's current roster. Does it have to be a wide receiver? It look, Yeah. Uh, I was going to pick Herndon, but he also had 502 yards. <laughs> That's a good pick, this, too. Yeah, Herndon, wide receiver. Oh, that would be so important for us. Any receiver of all time, uh, <laughs> you could pick someone hilarious. I'd pick Demarius Thomas. Let That's him get back to his one. heyday with Sam Darnold. But this year, you're right. I think maybe Lawrence Cager would be great. The other guy in the roster, like you said, Vincent Smith would be perfect because then you have a kick returner, a gadget guy. And, you know, her, uh, Vincent Smith makes things easier with his run after the catch ability. That's a good question. It's pretty interesting. All right. Jets go 0-16 and Trevor Lawrence blows out his knee in the championship game. He declares for the draft but says he will not rehab. He will need to rehab the whole 2021 season. Would you still take Trevor Lawrence with the first overall pick if he cannot play during 2021? That's actually really interesting. I Holy think the answer shit. is yes, right? I think you have to take him. You just take him, and then you just get another good pick next year. And then you trade that pick for a haul. Like well, you know what you could do is you can get a real bridge guy. You can get an old, Maybe you try to get Phil Rivers or – Oh, that's the pick. No, you're right. You're 100% right. You build yeah. a young team around a guy. Like Even the bridge guy, though, Like we want a little better than – even though I loved McCown in 2017. Yeah. You get a guy like that older guy veteran to bring him in for a year. Oh. Holy shit. Bring back Fitz for 2020. <laughs> if you take out that clip of me saying that, you're probably thinking I'm a maniac. But in this question, I like that idea. Or you take, you theoretically go 2-14, and 14, get a top two pick, trade that pick for a hole, and then Joe Douglas has a billion picks. It's obviously, too, you get nervous about the type of injury. If it's his entire knee, like then is he going to be the same type too. of player? Well, the other yeah. issue is, too, the, I, I mean, I, the best-case scenario for the Jets would be to just keep Sam and see what he could do. But then if Sam plays well, then you're in a real weird spot and Sam's going to be in an uncomfortable situation. But Yeah. All right. We got 
Do you think Adam Gates heard zero fucks instead of zero blitz, and that's why he never jumped in? The whole thing about Gates not jumping in, I'm not surprised by it just because I think they were brought in to be you're on the offensive side, you're on the defensive side. That's it. And that was the entire time. I don't think Gates really considers what's happening on defense. I think he cares about calling timeouts. I, I'm not surprised he, you know, he heard that. I don't even think he was thinking of it. He was talking to another coach during it or whatever. All hindsight, but I don't think he ever knew the play. I think he saw Carr cock his arm back, and he said, holy shit, he's open. If he's so angry at this point, I agree with you. I don't think he saw it. Because, yeah, he would have, you know, he would have been either more visibly angry at the time or – but I don't believe anything he says either. This... Well, Greg Williams – I feel like Adam Gates is a little bitch, and he doesn't want to go to Greg Williams and call timeout and be like, hey, you can't run that play. So what Adam Gates did was like, all right, once the game ended, he ran over and told Christopher Johnson you have to fire him. So it's interesting they talked for an hour on the phone, and Greg Williams was unhappy. I would pay $150 out-of-pocket cash to have a transcript of that phone call. I mean, what a ridiculous situation. Gates firing him. I mean, it's funny. We always talk about – there have been, like, a lot of things that happen in games where we're like, if this happens, the owner should come down from the box and fire the guy, and it actually happened yesterday. That's the first time. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. All right, we have two left. What's your worst-case scenario for the rest of the year or the start of next season? Well, we've talked about it. The worst-case scenario is that – Sam, the Jets win a game or two. The Jaguars don't, and Sam plays meh. You know, so if Sam comes out and goes 16 of 27 with 182 yards, one touchdown, two picks, and the Jets beat the Browns like 17-14, is really, really bad because, you know, again, unless there's some kind of miracle and Sam throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns, no picks the last four games, which isn't going to happen, especially because, you know, like you said, the Jets have – uh, been outpassed by their opponents in nine out of 12 games and they don't change their game plan. They run the ball in second and 10 every time. There's no opportunity for Sam to break out. There's Sam hasn't played well himself. Uh, even though I think he was, I think he was fine yesterday. They just had four scoring drives. Um, but the worst case is that the Jets get like the second pick and take Justin Fields is my opinion. The worst case, horrible, horrible, horrible. I much rather either trade back and take a different quarterback uh, just to have more assets. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in this draft. There's Zach Wilson, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones. Taking Fields at two and putting him in a, in a similar roster as we have right now is is not good, in my opinion. Agreed, agreed. You can't win those meaningless games, but it also takes two to tango. It doesn't even have to be the Jets playing their best game. The Browns can go out there and lay an egg. They've done it before this season. So uh, it's, it takes two. It took the Raiders playing eh for three quarters and the Jets – having a decent game to give the Jets a probable win. So remember, I don't think the Jets can beat the Seahawks or Rams. I truth, I just don't believe it. So if you take that into account, they have two games to get it done, meaning that they can't get the third pick or worse now. It's automatically one or two if they lose two games. So going to be interesting. I, I really hope the Jaguars just win one game to make it easy on us, and we don't have to worry did. about it. We got What do they play, the Bears this week? The Bears, yes. Okay. Um, final question. My favorite one by far. And I don't know how... I don't think he ever clarified what he meant by this, but we're going to run with it. 
Who would win in a fight to the death between 27 unarmed Makai Becktons or 20 unarmed Sam Fickens? <laughs> Wait, by now, the way, the, the Jaguars play the Bears in two weeks. I apologize. Got it. Got it. Go on with the unarmed. The 27 unarmed Makai Becktons, 200 unarmed Sam Fickens <laughs> fight to the death. I don't know if he means they don't physically have arms. Or they just don't have weapons. I think he means they don't have weapons. I mean, I kind of think he think he means they don't have any arms. They have no arms, either of them. I so think all- twenty-seven Mackay Beckton's versus two hundred Sam Ficken's torso and legs and well, heads. Pro- well, if there's no arms, Sam Ficken has an advantage because he is good with his leg. Does he have legs, or is it just the? They can't just be the torso. I think it's torso, legs, head. I think Sam Ficken wins if there's 200 of them and they can kick. Dude, I think it's the other way around. I think if they have arms, Ficken wins because 200, dude, just one, 10 for one. No. Is it? It's a little less. 200, what is 200 divided by? 27 is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, why do you pick 27? I love it. So that's, there's 7.4 Sam Fickens for every. God, Beckton. my head hurts. But the problem is if the Beckton's start killing the Fickens. Then there's less Fickens, you know. No, like would... the, 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 if they have no weapons, I think the Fickens win because seven Fickens are gonna beat one Beckton. I think I really do believe. No, what that. if like the Beckton's team up a little bit and start killing some of the Fickens? Also, Beckton's been a little injury prone too. We have to keep that in mind. Like if yeah, Ficken, Sam Ficken, Ficken like, hurts his him. groin every fucking week, so I don't know if I trust Ficken being healthy. That's true, but what if like Ficken like punches Beckton? Like because hurry, it's to come out of the game a little bit. Then there's only like 26 of them, and so on. I don't know. I I, I are we arguing no arms? Or are we arguing? I think I'm, this I, is with arms. With I arms, he, I think seven Fickens would beat one Beckton. But to your point, I don't like, even know. What, what the, if the Beckton's like form a circle, like a giant offensive line, and they just like stand there, and then the, like what are the Fickens going to do? Are they going to come at the Beckton's? I'm freaking out. So I, I think I would still go the Fickens win this round. I think Beckton um, wins. I do. I think, but it, it has to be a lot of strategy. Like the Beckton's have to form like a, like a phalanx. Is that what it is? Like a square formation? Like the Greeks? I'm thinking of like Game of Thrones, Battle of Bastards when they made that huge circle. Yeah. Damn, but Fickens doesn't have any dragons. He's just like a small person. It's like Fickens just like a regular guy. Like he's not. So, all right. So Mike, ready for this? Me, you. And our group chat of like five other dudes, seven of us versus Makai Becton. Who do you have? And we're not even pro athletes like Ficking, even though he's a kicker. Yeah, but I don't. Seven of us. We wait. No, no, no. We said the seven of us could beat a a full grown lion, and we can't beat Makai yeah, Becton. Not twenty seven lions. But then we I would think, have two hundred people. I know, but I don't. Like I think. Oh, I think seven on one, the Fickens win. I think two hundred on twenty seven, the Becktons win. I think they, but they have, they can't stray like one Beckton can't be like caught away from the pack and the yeah, if your back like, is turned to a Ficken you're getting kicked like there's no fucking way that you're surviving that yeah but that's why they can't have their backs they have to make a square they have to make a phalanx okay I will say if you are the commander of this Beckton army I will go Beckton but if Beckton's like if the 27 Beckton's are just trying to figure out like they have no idea what to do I, I, I'm taking the Fickens that's fair and then say they have no fucking arms at all I think I take the Beckton's no, Fickens, because he's a kicker. 
They're no, so powerful. No, no, no. I, I know you think that, but he a could Beckton, kick a football fifty yards. Dude, a Beckton would just like just jump on them, kill them, and then do it again. Like you ever see the Womp from Mario sixty four? Just every time. If it would, but then when he's on top, like he lands on one, where the other Ficken's can attack him. He's the other one, the other ones are gonna headbutt him. Do they have their gear? Because tackle pads are bigger than kicker pads. So like if they if they're in full they jet gear, because it's hard with the helmet, you know, it's hard to murder. Oh, I'm gonna put this on Twitter. I uh, this is great. Good question. Why did he say 27? <laughs> I'm it was out. 27, right? Yeah, no, 27. Yeah. And then someone replied to him, he's like, "Do you mean they ha- don't have weapons or they don't have arms?" And then he just never answered it. <laughs> I, he like deactivated his Twitter for life. He just wanted that out there and then reported himself. <laughs> Holy shit. All right. I have to tweet that out. Yeah. We have to get to the bottom of this. Um, But yeah, I think that was, what, a 50-minute episode? Off the rails a little bit at the end. but It was fun. 0-12. The Jets have not won a game since we started the podcast. So if you are a fan of Trevor Lawrence, you should thank us. And subscribe, rate, and review. Because... Every download matters. I think we're about to hit 3,000 total downloads, which is bananas. Um, you know, a lot of people start a podcast and then continue to grow. We did the opposite. We grew a little bit, began a podcast, and I think we have a core of a re- like 30 great dudes that DM us all the time about the episodes. And I think there's a bunch of people that listen that don't. Uh, I'm sure our girlfriends are not listening to this if, if they made it this far. But I did text her, my girlfriend, and I said, if you – were to get Jets tattooed on your lower back for the Jets to win three out of five Super Bowls, would you do it? And she said, yes, if you get a tattoo of my face on your back. I didn't answer. That's fair. I just didn't answer. It could happen. The Jets could win three out of five. Would you get a tattoo of your girlfriend's face on your back if they won three out of five? Sure. I'd do anything. Seriously, like any normal, like not normal, any any non-maiming or... You know, life-threatening thing I would really do, and some of those things I would also do. Doing three right. out of five. The Jets have a ten percent chance of winning the Super Bowl in the next decade. Ten percent. Okay. Each year they go in with ten percent chance, but you have to get Gase as like a tattoo on your back, like his nameplate, Gase, and the number sixty-nine, and that 10%. stays on there for life. The only problem is the Jets could have more of a chance than that. Good point. So Decline. I'm going to say no. I think we'll win Decline anyway. It. I like that. Decline. If it's like 50%, then yes, I would do it. 50%. One out of two, if I flip a coin and just win the Super Bowl, I would do that. You heard it here first. All right. We'll be back again. Mike is going on his well-deserved second vacation in like three weeks. So <laughs> you scumbag. Uh, enjoy your time off, Mike. Are we going to do a pod when you're out or do you want to? Probably next week. We'll take, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. But again, thank you for listening and we'll be back next week.